Welcome, everyone, to the Veterans News Hour with David Corey and Richard Hurley, a national news and talk program dedicated to military veterans' issues. And now, your hosts, David Corey and Richard Hurley. Evening. Welcome to the Veterans News Hour for Monday, February 22nd, 2021. This is Air Force veteran David Corey along with my co-host Richard Hurley. Thank you for joining us this evening. We've got hey, a great David. show. We've got a great show for you tonight and to get things rolling, let's go over to Richard Hurley. How's it going, Richard? Good. A little technical difficulty on my end there, David. Sorry about that and sorry about that to everybody out there and uh, hope everybody's doing well in the midst of it. Still the pandemic. We do have lots of information and news for veterans and their families, so stay tuned. Uh, tonight, we have two major segments in the show. First, we're going to hear from six veterans to talk about their military service and challenges they faced when they returned to civilian life. We all know that adjusting to civilian life from military life can be extremely difficult. Then in the second segment, we have, we have news on various topics of interest to veterans. But I also want to remind everybody that this is a call-in show. Despite David and I going on and on and talking about different things, we welcome your comments and your questions, and we encourage you to call us at one 627 6008 Your questions and comments, your feedback, help us when we're trying to direct our show. Uh, remember, this is the Veterans News Hour. This is for all you veterans out there and family members and friends of veterans. So pick up the phone and call us at 1-888-627-6008. Even if it's not on one of the topics tonight, if you got something you want to share, please share it. And at this point, I'm going to take it back to David, and let's get going on these segments. Thank you, Richard. Uh, for our first segment of the show, we're going to hear from some veterans who tell of their experiences in war and afterwards as they return to civilian life. These interviews are courtesy of the VA's Make the Connection series. Uh, which is available on YouTube and which the VA encourages people to share. Thus, we are providing it here. In this first tape, we hear from a veteran named Tom who served in the Army Air Corps between 1945 and 48, then in the infantry in Korea. He returned home from that war, had trouble functioning as he had before. After his wife passed away, he turned to alcohol and drugs to try to cope. When he went to the VA for help with past injuries, his doctor recognized symptoms of post-traumatic stress. Treatment and support from other veterans have helped him turn his life around. So, Doug, if you'll please roll the first tape. I'm uh, Tom, and, and I served in the in the service in in, in the Army Air, Air Corps in 1945 and uh, on, until 1948. I was going to come out and make a career, and and I joined the inactive reserves to go back in to keep my rank and time and and my GI Bill. I found a good uh, a job, good money, good pay, and then they called me up in August of 1950. I had a report the 1st of September, and I uh, went to Korea, and I was there until 1951, and it was a living hell, and it was tough in that infantry, and the worst thing about it, you know, uh, bodies and friends are close, you lose. It makes you sick at your stomach. It's It's tough, but... But this was, this is one of the things that uh, when I came back it it threw me. After I came home, I had I had problems. I had nobody 
I didn't know how to work them up, you know. I couldn't walk very good, and I had I had some problems to hold my job down, you know. But uh, I uh, I I had a problem with my remembering things and that, and I thought, you know, weak. You know, I was weak, you know. You know man doesn't leave things like that bothering. And uh, and the trouble is, if you keep too many things, you don't uh, inside you can hurt yourself. I lost my wife through death, and uh, being a widower and, and thirty-four and a half years married, it, it knocked me, and I didn't know what to do. You know? well, I drank too much. I took the pills and I drank, took the pills and I dropped the pills, and then I had to go in a, into a detox, which I did, and I went in and. I changed. I don't. I don't go and get saws. I went to the VA, you know, because my, you know, I was having more problems with my injuries, and I went up there, and uh, I talked to him up there, and the doctor said I'm nervous. I was nervous, you know. I jumped. Somebody noise behind me. Somebody up and tapped me. I jump, and then they told me I had post-traumatic stress. And I, what's that, you know? Next, told me what it was. And after associating with the guys, my buddies up there, who had the same problem, I understood my problem. I went to a psychiatrist and told me what to do, you know? Talk to me. And the best thing for me, even today, when I go up and I spend the time with my buddies up there, and we're all in the same boat. We serve together. I see them. It's like a shot of adrenaline. We can talk. We can, we can say things our whole life if we kept inside. And we can tell each other. And we, we understand each other. You know, and everything's between us. It stays in that room. Don't wait, and, wait until you're 70, 80 years old and just find out what you have, what you have to do. Look, you know, look how much you waste. That's my fellow veterans that have that problem. It's out there. It's there. Use it to help to help yourself. The, the country will help you. Well, thank you, Tom, and thank you to the VA for uh, helping share Tom's story about uh, his own experience, and hope that encourages veterans. Uh, Rick, over to you. Yeah, you know, one of the things that Tom uh, brings out that I think is so important for our veterans listening to this show and family members who are listening to the show and you're thinking about your veteran who may be struggling with, um, you know, some, we're not going to say PTSD, anxiety, depression, but but you, you, you're sitting there, you notice that your, your veteran isn't right. You know there's some stuff going on. Uh, and at that point, you need to get the veteran to some help. You know, when, when I get a new client in, we go through the potential claims for a veteran, and one of the things I then say, now look, I, you know, I want to bring up, uh, don't take it personally, but do you have any issues with regard to post-traumatic stress or, or anxiety and depression? And, you know, I let the veteran know, you know, i got to explore this just in case you know, we're dealing with a combat veteran or, or uh, other issues that the veteran suffered while he was in the service. 
um, because there there is a, uh, a a label that I think a lot of veterans are trying to avoid. I think a lot of veterans look at uh, being classified with post-traumatic stress or having anxiety or having depression as, as a sign of weakness. Uh, and clearly it's it's not. The fact of the matter is when you serve your country, you were you were uh, put in situations that caused trauma. That's where post-traumatic trauma, stress, that, uh, that then uh, has affected you for most of your life. To, to, to what degree is, you know, is, is what we then get into and you get into with the different psychologists and, if, you know, they can then rate you at a certain level. But, you know, Tom, you know, Tom's saying, you know, don't wait till you're 78 or 80. Uh, get in there, you know, early on. Uh, let, let the professionals do a diagnosis. Let them determine whether or not you do, in fact, have issues of PTSD or anxiety and depression. Uh, and then if, and if you do, there's, there's a remedy for you. There's, there's help out there. There's groups out there. There's other soldiers out there, veterans out there who, who are also dealing with the same issue. Uh, that's when you start to heal and you start healing from the inside. Uh, but like Tom says, don't wait until you're 78 or 80 and don't look at being diagnosed with one of these mental conditions as a sign of weakness because it is not. Back to you, David. Those are all great points, uh, Rick. And uh, we have uh, five other uh, veterans uh, talking to us through our tapes tonight. Rick, you want to introduce the second one? Sure. Uh, we have Marcus, who is a Marine Corps veteran. Uh, Marcus lost his leg in an IED blast. He used alcohol to try to cope. He felt depressed and had problems in his marriage. Therapy helped him quit drinking and find meaning and purpose in life. And through marriage counseling, Marcus and his wife have built a stronger foundation. Doug, please roll tape two. A combat veteran overcomes many challenges after an IED blast. My name is Marcus. Um, I'm in the Marine Corps, or was in the Marine Corps, um, and I served both in Iraq and Afghanistan. I joined the Marine Corps to do essentially one thing, uh, and that was to go fight. Um, I joined at the age of 17, uh, just out of high school. I went home and I told my mom that I, I wanted to join the Marine Corps, that I was going to become a Marine. Um, and so within the Native American cultures, I believe that, uh, or I actually see that not a lot of them give the initial support of being in the military. Um, and a lot of that might come from, you know, the pass down of historic events that Native Americans and the U.S. government um, have had in the past. So to be a part of the Marine Corps in this day and age was definitely a big step uh, for my family. I've done three deployments to Iraq, um, and so that was uh, 2006, 2007, 2008. Um, I did re-enlistment then, and I went to a uh, Marine unit in Camp Pendleton uh, and did a deployment to Korea and Afghanistan. On uh, October 9th in 2010, um, I stepped on a 25-pound pressure-plated IED, uh, and that resulted in the loss of my, my left leg above the knee. My life in every aspect had to be adapted. Uh, now I was no longer, uh, you know, physically healthy. I was an amputee. You know, there was a, a level of depression uh, from when I initially got injured. And my thought process with depression was that it was because people just weren't strong enough to handle, you know, trauma. And then I went through depression and I could not help what my body was doing. I went to the, the uh, mental health care professionals. And I said, hey, this is what my daily lifestyle is looking like right now. 
and I need you to, to sort of help me figure out what I need to do to get out of this. For me, myself, it was difficult because I had never gone through therapy. I didn't know exactly what it was we were supposed to talk about. Um, there was definitely a lot of denial about the level of stress that I was going through in dealing with a lot of the things that I had uh, endured while being while being a Marine. I mean, it was, it was almost like a, a full-time second job trying to go back and uh, not necessarily undo what happened to um, myself, but to try to just put it in a different perspective that, you know, I wasn't going to be able to change anything, but I could live with it and have that progression in life. It's been about seven years since I lost my leg in Afghanistan. Uh, and that transitional time, even seven years sounds like an ample amount of time, but seven years to me has been a series of moments in my transition. So maintaining my marriage is definitely moments in my transition. Being Native American, there was sort of like this, uh, this, this taboo mindset that Native Americans couldn't handle alcohol. There was a lot of people who, you know, probably joke with me about it, like, oh, you know, just show he's Native American, he can't handle drinking. Um, but I think there were a lot of things that I wasn't being taught, um, how to deal with internally about my experiences in the Marine Corps. Um, and a lot of the deployments that I had done drinking sort of was just like an outlet for me that became too much of an outlet. I met my wife in the first year as a Marine. And, and when it came to drinking, you know, she was like, Hey, if, if we live together, if we start a family, you know, there's a side of this that, you know, needs to stop or, you know, slow down in, uh, in a bit so you could pay attention to, to you know, fulfilling um, the, the needs of being a dad, the needs of being, you know, a husband. So there was a little bit of, of struggle there. But, you know, I, I went to the, the resources that, that were there and available and said, you know, that I, I had an issue. Those programs were, were put in place to try to catch people before they got to the point uh, where they can't take back, you know, they couldn't take back some of the mistakes that they would make. As my lifestyle changed and I became uh, more involved in my marriage, as I became more involved at, uh, at being a dad, she wanted me to understand how to improve that as well. Marriage counseling was definitely a, a good thing. Um, I, I don't push that on people like it's something they need to do, but it's a, it's a good resource. It's a good outlet. The change, I, I think, is is uh, it's a steady progress for myself. Um, I've, I've gone back a number of times to just try to, you know, get tune-ups or get some realignments all the stuff the, that I was given before uh, through mental health, uh, through substance abuse uh, programs, through marital counseling. It, it, had, it had meaning. It had purpose in my life. You actually go through, you know, some type of, uh, of um, reconstruction that help you, you know, just take your experiences, your workplace, your marriage, your relationship with your kids and, your, and the rest of your family and your friends. Um, all of those experiences help you just become better at those things. Well, we'd like to thank um, Marcus uh, for sharing his experience. And uh, in, in our next uh, tape, we're going to hear from a veteran named Samaj who served in Vietnam. After the Vietnam War, he had trouble adjusting life back uh, in the United States. He used drugs. He didn't want to leave his house. Uh, finally, a close friend suggested that he go to the VA for help, and he started counseling and group therapy. Support from his wife and others uh, has helped him move forward uh, with his life. So, Doug, if you'll please roll the third tape. My name is Samaj. I served in the Army, and I was in Vietnam. I remember it like yesterday. I was, we were walking on this trail. He was, the sergeant was in back of me. 
And I stopped because the, the radio strap was cutting into my chest. So I said, well, let me just stop to adjust this. So you can't, the line can't stop. Everything keeps moving. So they passed around me. They kept moving. There was a large explosion. And he stepped on an anti-personnel line, which to date, um, I was never really a religious person. But at that moment, I knew that there had to be a higher force working. Because if I hadn't stopped to adjust the strap, I would have stepped on the line. I got home, ironically, around, it's crazy, on the 4th of July, which is not the best time to come home, because, you know, you got firecrackers and stuff going on. It took me about a about a month or so. I stayed in the house a lot during that time. Uh, a lot of self-medication, you know, vis-a-vis marijuana. For the guys my age, which was the, that was the drug of choice. I had a difficult time. I had a very difficult time adjusting. And um, then I had to report back because I still had a year of military time to complete. The transition for me from there to coming home and then to being back assigned to Brooklyn, the drug thing was still prevalent. The marijuana stuff was still prevalent. That was still there as my source of uh, coping. I was 22 when I got married and, and my wife was 20. And um, we were clear after the divorce. We, we stayed together for three years. Uh, we weren't really connecting. Wife number two, um, again, it seemed like all of these relationships weaved in and out of, of drugs and getting high, what have you. And um, she got pregnant. We lost a baby. So that was very traumatic. Then we had another child who survived. For me, having a baby was a sobering event. You know, I mean, it was real. It was real. This is not like something making up now. This is real. I had a very close friend of mine who I grew up with. Um, and interestingly enough, he um, became a veteran's rep. Okay. He said, you need to look about maybe going to school, go back to school. So you can get some, some kind of some skills. But more so, you need to look at, um, you need to look at see, talking to somebody, talking to somebody in the VA. Basically, they said, well, you're definitely um, dealing with post-traumatic stress disorder. They said, you need to um, start coming in and um, meeting with a therapist psychologist, and um, start getting some help, some counseling, some coaching, some support. I would get to what they call a breakthrough, and um, I would pull away, you know, and and stop going. And then something would happen, and I'd go back. I'd started doing groups. I started doing one-on-one counseling. So I'm, I'm I'm having a pretty good time, you know. I'm saying like, okay, I, I'm 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 turning. I'm making another turn now. On top of that, I got introduced to this woman, um, wonderful woman, who I'm still married to. She was very, very, very instrumental in supporting me, you know. And I got into you know I got into a couple of groups, and then got after going around the block a few times, got re 
integrated back into the VA and started going to them on a regular basis. You can't do it by yourself. It's not, you can't, you can't live in a cave. And I tried that. I really did. I tried to be alone, be a loner and let it, and, and, and just like the world is out there and I'm in here and I'm cool. And that was themself medication. That's not going to do it because then you end up, you, you go through your whole life and you look at back, you look back and you say, damn, like, where did 40 years go? Where did 50 years go? And now what do I have to show for my life? Cause I think those, those veterans, those Vietnam veterans could be very helpful to our, 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 our present young men and women. They need to, um, find a place, a space where they can find some release and move forward in their lives. Well, thank you to Samaj for sharing uh, his experience. And uh, those are uh, great uh, insights that he shared. And uh, I hope our listeners will uh, will benefit from that, uh, especially, as he just mentioned, uh, maybe the younger generation of veterans. You know, the country's been at war for almost 20 years now. And uh, there's actually overlapping generations that have served over that 20 years. And it's a, it's a, it's a huge, uh, effect on their lives that they've been through, especially if they've been in combat situations. And, uh, hopefully they can learn from, uh, Samaj's experience and, uh, reach out. Veteran peer-to-peer groups, we hear all the time how beneficial veterans find those. So reach out to your local vet center or other veteran groups. Uh, Rick, over to you. Yeah, next we hear from Linda, a combat trauma nurse. She had symptoms of PTSD after her service in the Army and Air Force. She talks about the specific therapy that helps her to recover. Doug, please roll tape number four. A combat trauma nurse focuses on her own recovery. My name is Linda. I served in two different uh, military branches. I served in the Army for six years and then the Air Force for 15 years. I served as a nurse during wartime, a combat trauma nurse in Balad. I worked night shift, and so every night we would be getting the most severe injuries. I watched people lose their arms or legs, their heads or life. Um, it was almost like I told myself I didn't have a right to start having problems. Whatever you do in the military, when you're in that war zone, you're focused on your mission you know, whatever that is, and you don't allow yourself to um, kind of take in what you're seeing. But the sleeping problems turned into nightmares and a little bit of isolation. I actually avoided thinking about it by um, becoming a workaholic. And on the outside, I looked great. I became field grade nurse of the year. I did a lot of things that I hid a lot of my emotions whether you're active duty or you're a veteran, um, the stigma of seeking help is one of the main reasons most people don't get help. I was, I guess, lucky in the, in the fact that I was placed with an individual that was trained in trauma therapy and, uh, would actually meet me right after my night shift. And, uh, we met and did something called prolonged exposure, which was really tough. 
but it worked. For me, prolonged exposure is looking at a few of those traumatic experiences. You kind of go back in time, in a way, and you reprocess that memory. Um, you take it very slowly, and you record it. And my homework at night was to listen to that recording um, several times a day. It basically uh, was the foundation of me getting better. I was able to remember things more, um, be more out in public. Uh, I was more aware of what triggered me and how to manage those triggers. And it's not just one thing that works. There's a combination, and it's different for each individual. I have a service dog that helped me tremendously. She allowed me to go to school, get my master's degree. She went to school with me every day, got my psychiatric nurse practitioner, and now actually I work at the VA. I've had um, several patients tell me, you know, I didn't lose my leg, I didn't lose my arm. You know, I feel like it's almost I shouldn't go there. Um, the reality is there's all kinds of care there, both mental health, physical health. But also, when they come, even if they don't want to continue at the VA, I give them resources in the community. Sometimes coming and talk to either a transition assistant or coming to mental health, they can give those inf that information out to the veterans. PTSD is treatable. You don't have to have it the rest of your life. We all in the military a lot of times think we're the only one. We don't know that there's this big wave of veterans that have been exposed to trauma that can get help. They can get better with good therapy, and it's different for each individual. Um, good therapy, support from the family members, and that, and they find their mission again. Well, thank you, uh, for sharing uh, your experience, Linda, and Rick, over to you before we go to our next tape. What are your no, thoughts? Linda brought, Linda brought up some, you know, just terrific, terrific points. I, I like uh, when she talked about referring veterans out to the community. Yet, as David, as you and I have talked about on numerous shows, there are so many resources outside the VA that are there to help veterans. And whether it's... Um, you know, even even an AA meeting or an NA meeting, uh, it was just just all you got to do is pick up pick up the phone book. I don't even know if we have phone books anymore, but, but or Google. There you go. You can Google uh, all sorts of different uh, local nonprofit counseling programs within your area, and, and and just check it out. Never say never. Just walk in the door and sit down and. You never know what you might find or who you might meet. I think that's even probably the, the better advice. You never know who you, who you might meet who's, who shares your, your similar, uh, anxieties, uh, events that occurred maybe in service, the, tra the trauma. And, and at that point you realize, you know, I'm not alone here. I, I, I can, I can do this. I can get help. All right, David, back to you. Thanks, Rick. Uh, all right, uh, our fifth veteran that we'll hear from tonight is Skyler, uh, who had problems relating to civilians. He found that as a challenge after he got out of the Army. He always felt he was on edge. Uh, sometimes he had trouble managing his frustration. He didn't believe he had post-traumatic stress, uh, but he knew something wasn't right. 
uh, learning that he had a traumatic brain injury led him to the VA and a uh, and Vet Center Resources that ultimately helped him uh, turn his life around. So, Doug, if you'll please uh, roll this fifth tape. My name is Skyler. I was in the Army, active duty, six years. I think the overall experience being in a combat zone um, stays with you forever. I think my vehicle got blown up directly, maybe four times, and indirectly, you know, a handful of times. So I think there's like an anxiety that sticks with you about stuff like that. Getting out of the military, it's it's scary, you know, because you have this whole life that you learned. Um, for me, it was six years active duty uh, in an infantry unit. Now I have to all of a sudden go be a civilian. I didn't have any Army buddies around. So I didn't have people that I could talk to and hang out with. And I kind of felt alienated um, from the civilian world because I didn't share anything in common. When I got out, I didn't think that I had PTSD, you know. I almost thought, like, PTSD was something that people who couldn't handle the intensity of their job had. Um, and when I got out, I didn't think that I had any issues or, or, or mental health issues that would affect me in the civilian life. I found that I was having trouble controlling my emotions sometimes, my anger, um, my frustrations. It was easier for me to get frustrated. And when I did get frustrated, I took it more seriously, as if something serious was going on. If I was running late to a movie, I felt like I was running late to a mission, and people's lives were at stake. Uh, but that wasn't the reality. That, that personality characteristic, that intensity, that drive makes you succeed in the military, but it doesn't in the civilian world. It alienates you. And I had to had to back off and, and let that go. And that was hard. Um it was it took it took a lot of other people coming up to me and telling me, Hey, I think you have PTSD or hey, I think that you have things going on that you need to talk about or you need help with. I say, No, I don't think I have PTSD. What could I have PTSD from? And I was always thinking there has to be some specific event. I don't have a constant nightmare where I wake up and I'm reliving a specific situation. I'm not constantly bunkered down in my house behind sandbags, you know, waiting for the invading army to attack. No, I don't have any of those things going on. But there is something kind of wrong. You know, I do have this this agitation, this anxiety, this hypervigilance from time to time. Maybe, Maybe something's not right. So I went down to the VA. And they asked me, they said, have you ever been blown up before? Or have you ever been ex uh, exposed to a blast? And I said, yeah, uh, yeah, quite a few times. And they were like, how many? And I told them, and they were like, wow, well, uh, you probably have traumatic brain injury. They helped with uh, my memory and concentration issues and how to regulate my mood and stuff like that. And that was a really productive experience because at one point I felt hopeless. I felt like I'm on the road to not recovering. I'm on the road. I'm on a downward spiral into some abyss of like, you know, uh, mental disability. But working with, uh, speech pathology and TBI clinic at the VA just, I mean, they had me turned around quick. In a few months, I was in school. I go to the Boulder Vet Center, but there's one, seems to be one located within proximity of every, uh, VA hospital. My therapist was, uh, Infantry soldier, he was deployed to Vietnam twice. Um, and speaking with him, working with him, it made me feel comfortable to talk about my stories because I knew they were familiar to him. He knew with some, he knew the same emotions that I knew. He had the same feelings I had. Vet centers are great because they have this group dynamics aspect where you meet all these other combat vets. And I think that 
requirement alone creates a little bit of brotherhood that makes me feel comfortable walking into a group because I say, these guys know what I'm talking about. They know what I know. They've seen what I've seen. If I'm going to open up or feel uncomfortable or be in an awkward situation, it's not going to be awkward because they have those same feelings. And any advice they have for me is uh, going to be beneficial. And, you know, I can take it to heart because it's coming from somebody with the same experiences. You're a civilian now. And the best way to, I think, come to peace with all of that stuff, uh, the best way to come to terms with all of your experiences is to talk about it, is to find other vets in the community, is to go to a local vet center down to the VA and talk about those experiences. The first thing I would say to anybody is it's not abnormal. You know, all, all the issues you're dealing with, you're not alone. You are not the only one. You're not weak. And the second thing I would say is go down to the VA. There's no better place to get help for a veteran than a place that is employed by veterans, run by veterans, and is designed to work around veterans. I want to be a behavioral and cognitive therapist that works with combat veterans. So I'd go from, I'd go from Skylar, the high school dropout to, <laughs> you know, staff sergeant to, uh, you know, Skylar, the rugby player to doctor, you know, and, uh, those, that's a path that I couldn't have even started without the VA, you know, um, they set you up for the road to success there. Well, thanks to Skylar for sharing his positive message that I hope will inspire other veterans and the VA, as he said, does have a lot of uh, excellent resources and has helped a lot of veterans and can help uh, help a veteran that you know. Uh, Rick, over to you for uh, introducing the, the sixth tape tonight. Yeah, in our final interview for this evening, we hear from a Marine veteran named Daniel, whose drinking was out of control after his service in the Marines. He made a change and got help for the sake of his family and friends. Doug, please roll tape six. A Marine quits drinking for his daughter. My name's Daniel. Uh, I served in the Marine Corps for 10 years, uh, including five tours. Uh, I was out at uh, Camp Lejeune for the vast majority of my time. I had a lot of anger issues going into the Marine Corps. You know, I was an addict as a teenager. Um, I was very angry. And then joining the Marine Corps just kind of, you know, uh, ignited all that as well. And then combat service and doing that just kind of accelerated everything. Um, so it was, it was, I still deal with a lot of that today, you know, uh, it's, it's a lot of the PTSD and the anger issues and the, the anxiety. Every aspect of my life was either at work with Marines, in combat with Marines, or, you know, out at a bar on a motorcycle getting drunk with, you know, Marines and bikers, you know, so, um, it was, it was always pretty hard and I, I did a lot of bad things, you know, I heard a lot of good people. It was very, very hard to come out of that. You know, I, I didn't, I thought I was a, you know, a warfighter, you know, I mean, I you know, you fight hard, you play hard, you drink, you sit, you just, you know, life in the fast lane, so to speak. And that's what I enjoyed. Um, and then when everything kind of came to a head, um, I was driving down highway 24 right outside Lejeune, uh, headed to New Bern to see a buddy of mine. And it was, um, him and his family. When I was, uh, driving there, I stopped, got a bottle of Jameson, which was my uh, poison of choice. And crush that, you know, um, or half of that on the way up there. And when we were there, I was playing around with her son and, uh, I was playing with him really, really rough, you know, um, cause I was wasted and I was drinking the whole time I was there and I accidentally hurt him playing with him too rough. And I'll never forget the, um, 
the the looks that I got from people that I loved and people that I cared about. And I remember just thinking, this is not my life. You know, this is not who I'm supposed to be. I have a very close relationship with God. And I, I think that at that time, you know, I, I got a smack upside the head. Like, what the hell are you doing, man? You know, and um, since that day is when I got sober. Well, there's a program in the Marine Corps called SARPS. That's Substance Abuse Rehabilitation Program. And uh, that is for people who have um, ARIs, alcohol-related incidences, um, and also for people who want to receive treatment. And you're in a class with a handful of other guys seeking help, and you have instructors coming in there and, you know, just discussing the different things that, um, the different challenges you're going to meet while trying to be sober. And then on top of that, when you're interacting with other guys who need help and you're starting to help each other, and you're seeing that and realizing that makes you want to do more. Once I got out in December of 14, my daughter was born that next month in January of 2015. Um, so I left Camp Lejeune. I'm away from everyone I knew, my house, everything like that. And I moved across the country to California because my fiance, she's a senior chief in the Navy. She's stationed here at Pendleton. Um, so I went from being an active duty Marine to being a stay at home dad overnight in less than 30 days. Even though I had my daughter, it was still really hard and I had a lot of slip ups. You know, it was, uh, my fiance was the one who was super supportive, you know, trying to get me, um, help because I mean, it was, it was, I got cabin fever really quick being a stay at home dad. Um, so what I did was I checked into the local vet center in Semecula and all they do is, you know, it's counseling and help with VA benefits, so on and so forth. They do whatever they can. It's all vet run and, uh, you know, got rubbed elbows with a lot of other vets, you know, and, and, uh, it's always good to be able to, you know, surround yourself with other good people. Fighting that stigma of that you don't need anyone's help is, is step one. And that was what helped me was just realizing that help is not a bad thing, you know? Asking for help is probably the strongest thing you can do. Carrying around that emotionally mental baggage, you know, it, it hardens you, you know, it hardens your heart. And it, it's hard to be like that when you have other people who have been through the same things you've been through and who have dealt with them in all different kinds of ways. It helps you in immeasurable, um, in, in immeasurable ways to, to, to try to move uh, past all the things that are going wrong. You got to be able to, uh, uh, honestly and accurately look at your own life and, and decide if this is the way you want to be, if this is who you want to be, if if you want to be a better father, husband, person in general, you know, I mean, there's plenty of other vets out there that want to help each other, you know, that want to 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 help you when you when you're having a hard time, man, you know. And like I said before, it's it's it takes him a very uh, a lot of strength to be able to not only admit that, but then to seek it. Thanks so much to Daniel. A very inspirational uh, message. Uh, Rick, what are your thoughts? Rick? Yeah. So no, what does Go ahead. Go ahead. Back to you, David. Okay. Well, um, thanks uh, Thanks again uh, for the VA for sharing those interviews with those six veterans. They're all very inspirational, and I hope our, our audience found that too. Before we go to our news segment uh, tonight, which is the second major segment of our show. I wanted to remind everyone, this is a call-in show. Welcomes your views, your comments, your questions, whatever is on your mind pertaining to veteran issues. Our toll-free nationwide call-in number is 1-888-627-6008. Again, nationwide toll-free call-in number to the Veterans News Hour is 1-888-627-6008. Rick, you want to start the news? You'd like me to. 
Yeah, here we go. Let's move on to some more, more news this evening. We have the American Legion has many programs for veterans and its families, as you know. American Legion announced on its website on January the 1st that children whose parents lost their lives while honorably serving on active duty honor after 9-11, as well as children of post-9-11 veterans with a combined VA disability rating of 50% or higher, are eligible to apply for the American Legion Legal Legacy Scholarship. Since the Legacy Scholarship's first grant in 2004, 401 military children of the fallen and disabled have received over $3.6 million in aid. The Legacy Scholarship provides financial aid for graduate or postgraduate tuition, books, room and board, meal plans, and other supplies needed to achieve a higher education. It's a needs-based scholarship. The grant amount each scholarship recipient will receive will be based on his or her financial need after all federal and state aid is exhausted. Recipients will have a year to use the grant and may reapply to the American Legion Legacy Scholarship, scholarship up to six times. The number of scholarships awarded and the amount of financial aid granted to each awardee, this includes returning applicants, will be determined on donations to the scholarship fund and one's financial financial needs. Legacy scholarship awards are made possible from donations to the American Legion Legacy Scholarship Fund. The American Legion Legacy Scholarship application for 2021 is now online at the legion.org forward slash scholarships forward slash legacy for and for eligible applicants to apply. Again, that's legion.org forward slash scholarships forward slash legacy. The application deadline is April the 15th. For additional information about the scholarship and eligibility requirements, please learn more at the website legion.org forward slash scholarships forward slash legacy forward slash about. The 2021 American Legion Legacy Scholarship recipients will be selected by the American Legion's Committee on Youth Education during the organization's annual spring meetings in May. All applicants, all applicants, whether recipients of the Legacy Scholarship or not, will be notified immediately thereafter. Back to you, David. Thanks, Rick. That's a good program. Thanks to American Legion for uh, sponsoring that. And the next item of news, this is a really big news uh, for veterans uh, that uh, may have been discharged from the service um, and in this case, particularly the Army, with something other than an honorable discharge, what some veterans refer to as bad paper. And there's there's uh, there's many thousands of veterans in this category, and this is really important to them because uh, having something other than an honorable discharge characterization of the service has lots of consequences, uh, many consequences that they may not have fully appreciated uh, when they were uh, much younger and, let's say, they served between the ages of 18 and 22 or or or, or uh, maybe even into their 20s, but they were still young and uh, they may have gotten themselves in a situation or into trouble that uh, resulted in, <coughs> excuse me, something other than honorable discharge. And the consequences can be significant. It can affect their civilian lives in many ways. It can hinder getting uh, jobs. It can also, and this is very important to many veterans, uh, render them ineligible for VA benefits, in some cases, uh, they may be eligible for, for, for limited medical care, for service-connected, but they will lose their eligibility to many other VA benefits, including disability compensation, as well as the eligibility to um, various other veteran programs, sometimes even uh, by, by private groups. So this is a really big deal, and uh, the development is that... Uh, 
due to a class action lawsuit that is getting close to being resolved. Uh, the Army, uh, if this proposed settlement is, is approved, which it looks like it probably will be, the Army will be required to review thousands of discharge records of veterans who were affected by uh, post-traumatic stress, other behavioral health conditions, or military sexual trauma. And uh, they're required to review these discharge records to see if they might be eligible for an upgrade to either an honorable or a general discharge characterization, which would then entitle them to VA benefits. So it's very important. This is a class action lawsuit, as I mentioned. Uh, it was um, <clears throat> uh, involved in the lawsuit's caption is Kennedy versus uh, McCarthy. Um, Kennedy refers to Steve Kennedy and another veteran, Alicia Carson, were the two named plaintiffs of this class group. And McCarthy was the name of the Secretary of the Army. And uh, this lawsuit uh, was the preliminary approval occurred on, September, on December the 28th of this past year. But uh, the final approval, a hearing uh, in order for the court to give final approval to the settlement will occur on March 24th. So basically a month from now, that will be March 24th, 10 a.m. For more information, uh, you can go to the website kennedysettlement.com. That's kennedysettlement.com. And again, assuming that the preliminary settlement is approved, then the Army Discharge uh, Review Board will be required to um, to review. They'll automatically have to consider certain discharge upgrades uh, and, uh, and other veterans uh, may have to reapply. But the point is, the Army is being held uh, to uh, essentially recognize the harmful effects of post-traumatic stress, uh, other psychological conditions, military sexual trauma, and the impact those might have had on the veteran's behavior, and that behavior then resulting in some sort of misconduct that might have resulted in being administratively discharged with, let's say, an under other than honorable condition characterization, or perhaps court-martialed and received a bad conduct discharge, for instance. So this is a really big deal for those veterans, uh, lots at stake. Uh, if the settlement is approved, that doesn't mean that they're automatically going to have their discharges upgraded. It does mean that the Army has to give them a fresh look, and uh, each case will be decided on on its own merits. Again, website is kennedysettlement.com. It's a big deal, so check that out. Okay, Rick, back over to you. In COVID-related news from the VA, the Department of Veteran Affairs announced in January 29, twenty. 21 press release that the VA is trying to help address economic hardships the veteran community faces during the ongoing pandemic. As part of those efforts, the VA will extend the existing moratorium on evictions and foreclosures until March 31st, 2021. VA borrowers experiencing financial hardship due to COVID-19 can review VA guidance for borrowers on VA.gov or call 877-827-3702 for more information. Again, that uh, number is 877-827-3702. The VA is also looking for immediate ways to help over 2 million veterans maintain their financial footing by exploring options to ease the burden of federal federal collections on compensation and pension overpayment and medical and education-related debt. VA will provide updated information and guidance for veterans at VA.gov 
on this effort as soon as possible. Over to you, David. Thanks, Rick. Um, two more uh, quick items of interest to veterans. I've mentioned these on previous shows, but they're so important they're worth repeating. The first deals with the VA's Caregiver Support Program. This is a program that was created by Congress basically uh, to help veterans and their families, veterans that were disabled, uh, wanted to stay in their homes, and they had family caregivers typically that were then giving up their jobs to stay home and take care of their their severely disabled veterans. Well, this VA Caregiver Support Program, well-intentioned. It's had uh, its problems. It's had the chair of criticism over the last few years when it was um, removing a lot of these uh, veterans and the caregivers from the programs. But but nevertheless, uh, the program is actually undergoing a phase of, of expansion to cover earlier generations of, of veterans beyond those just in the post-9-11 uh, era. Uh, so uh, effective this past October 1st, the, the program was extended to eligible veterans who incurred or aggravated a serious injury in the line of duty on or before May 7th, 1975. That's basically the end of the Vietnam era. So it opened up this caregiver program not just to post-9-11 veterans, but now to Vietnam era and earlier. And then the final uh, phase of this expansion will be effective October 1st, 2022, basically a year and a half from now, which will expand the program further to eligible veterans and their caregivers, veterans who incurred or aggravated a serious injury in the line of duty between May 7th of 75 and September the 11th, 2001. And this program offers family caregivers uh, training and education, also, also very importantly, a financial monthly stipend to help compensate for the fact that they've given up uh, th- their day job um, out of necessity to help the veteran. If you want more information about the Caregiver Support Program, go to the website caregiver.va.gov. That's caregiver.va.gov. And then before I turn things over to Rick Hurley, one more item of news. This is for Vietnam War veterans. The National Defense Authorization Act for fiscal year 2021 added three new disabilities to the Agent Orange presumptive list for disability compensation purposes. The list is, has grown over the years, adding more different types of cancers and other disabilities and illnesses. And the three new additions to the list are Parkinsonism, which is in addition to Parkinson's disease, which is already on the list. But the three are Parkinsonism, bladder cancer, and hypothyroidism. So stay tuned for more developments as the VA goes about implementing the change in this law. Now we've got uh, about five minutes uh, left in the show. Let's go back over to to, uh, Rick Hurley. Rick, for your thoughts, and then before we go to the coaching and the care segment. Yeah, you know, commenting on the uh, what you just reported, you know, Agent Orange was, as everybody, most people know, was a tactical herbicide used by the U.S. military for control of vegetation. It was named for the orange band around the storage barrel. The military sprayed Agent Orange and other tactical herbicides during the Vietnam War. Veterans who may have been exposed to Agent Orange include veterans who served in different locations, including Vietnam, some ships off the coast of Vietnam, in the Korean demilitarized zone, on the Thai Air Force bases at other locations, and who flew on or worked on the C-123 aircraft. The recent change in the law is the most recent expansion of the, of the list of illnesses, which the VA will presume was due to Agent Orange exposure. More, more information can be found at the VA website 
which is VA.gov. VA offers eligible veterans a free Agent Orange Registry health exam for possible long-term health problems related to exposure. VA also offers health care, disability compensation, other benefits to eligible veterans for certain disease conditions, as well as benefits for children of Vietnam veterans who have spina bifida. Dependents and survivors may also be eligible for other benefits. So if you're a veteran and you believe that you were exposed to Agent Orange, you really need to take a look at it. Again, you know, if you served in, in Vietnam, you served off the ships of, uh, served on ships off the coast of Vietnam or in the Korean demilitarized zone or on Thai Air Force bases at other locations or flew on or worked on the C-123, this may apply to you. So look into it because there are benefits for you. Uh, over to you, David, before I close this out with our coaching in the care program. Okay. Well, um, those are all great points, and uh, since we've just got a few minutes left, Rick, why don't you uh, tell our listeners about uh, the VA program called Coaching Into Care? Yeah, we do this every every week because it's, in a, it's a very important program. Uh, it, it, uh, we want to remind veterans and their families about this program, which is called Coaching Into Care. It helps veterans having difficulty transitioning to home life. Returning home can be a tough adjustment, and loved ones can help. Coaching in the Care offers free coaching to help you help your veterans. Give the program a call at toll-free 1-888-823-7458. This hours of Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Again, the VA's Coaching in the Care number is 1-888-823-7458. In addition, I'd like to once again remind listeners that if you know a veteran who is suicidal or in a crisis of any kind, the U.S. Department of Veteran Affairs also has Veterans Crisis Line to help. Call one 800 273-8255 and press 1. Many veterans have committed suicide because they did not get the help they needed. Help them get the care they need to cope with their problems. Once again, the Veterans veterans Crisis Line, uh, that number is 1-800-273-8255 and press 1. Thanks, uh, Rick. Uh, well, it's about time for us uh, to go for this evening's show. We'd like to thank all of you for listening to the Veterans News Hour here on BBS Radio Station 1. I would like to invite uh, any of our listeners uh, to be uh, to consider being guests on our show, or if you know someone you think might be an interesting uh, guest with, with good information for veterans and their families, uh, please reach out to us. Our contact information is on our show's website. Uh, that's uh, bbsradio.com forward slash the Veterans News Hour. You can contact either Richard Hurley or myself, David Corey. I would like to um, thank all of you for listening. I'd like to thank our sponsors. Corey and Hurley Law Group, which represents veterans and disability cases involving the VA. And we'd like to thank our producer at BBS Radio, Mr. Doug Newsom. I uh, hope you'll tune in next week, same time and stations at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Mountain Time, and 4 p.m. Pacific Time here on bbsradio.com station one for another edition of the Veterans News Hour. Until then, stay safe, stay healthy, and we hope you have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Veterans News Hour with David Corey and Richard Hurley. We hope you found this week's program very informative. Be sure to invite your friends and all the veterans you know to tune in next week when we'll have another great show on veterans issues. Meanwhile, you can listen to our other recorded episodes on the Veterans News Hour webpage on bbsradio.com. Thanks again for listening to the Veterans News Hour.